All right, I'm super excited today because it's a brand new year and we're going to be starting a brand new series that I, I hope uh, is a little bit of our theme, uh, maybe each for all of us as a church, but as we start the new year, a theme for us this year. And uh, the series is called Surround Sound, Hearing God. And uh, I'm excited for this series for a couple of reasons. One reason is uh, just because this is interesting. Uh, I think uh, probably most of us, whether you claim to be a person of faith, just starting out in faith, maybe you're anti-faith, or you've been part of the faith for a long time and you're all in, uh, most of us at some point or another in our life have wondered, God, do you speak? And if you speak, could you speak to me? Right? And even if you're not a person of faith, probably at some point in your life, you've been like, God, if you would just speak to me, that would help me be a person of faith, or there's this struggle I'm facing, would you just come and speak to me? So this is an area of interest for each of us, regardless of where we're at on our faith journey. Uh, the other reason why I'm quite excited about this is because this is a topic that is vitally important. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, uh, learning to hear God is essential. It's part of what it means to be a walking follower of Jesus. It may surprise you, but the essence of the Christian life is not primarily doctrine. Now, before you throw me out as your pastor, um, here's what I mean by that. Uh, the essence of the Christian life is not only signing off on a statement of faith or attesting to a doctrinal statement or even doing good works for people who have less, are in less fortunate circumstances. Although, if you are a follower of Jesus, eventually all those things will be part of your journey. But at the very essence, at the very core of living the Christian life is something even further than doctrine. The Christian life is about having a relationship with your heavenly father. In fact, this is why God sent his son Jesus. It's why at the very beginning when humanity sinned and there was separation between God and his creation, the creation he had made in his own image, humanity, God already promised that one day he would make a way for humanity to be back in relationship with him. Now, undoubtedly, along the journey of being in relationship to him, agreeing to who God is, which is doctrine, will be involved. But that's an outcome of what God has created us as we have been created to live in relationship with him. It's why he sent his son. And so as we live the Christian life, it is essential, it is so, so vitally important that we learn to walk with him and that will include hearing his voice. The Apostle Paul kind of summarized the Christian life, not the doctrine, not, you know, what do you believe, but the Christian life. How do you journey with God? He summarized it this way in Galatians chapter five. He says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And the Apostle Paul talked a lot about doctrine. I'm not saying doctrine's wrong or bad. It's vitally important as well. But the essence at the very heart of the Christian life is a relationship with our God and Father. And that includes walking in step with his spirit. So as we look at surround sound, hearing God, what we're gonna see in this series, and we're not gonna look at all the ways, but we're gonna see that God actually speaks to us in many different ways. It's like surround sound. 
That God who sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so that you could have a relationship with him is so interested in you knowing him that he doesn't just speak in one way, but he speaks in many different ways so that we can learn to hear his voice. And today we're gonna look at how God speaks to us through, well, the first way we're gonna look at is God speaking to us through his spirit. Now, one thing you know about spirits, probably already, is that spirits are not physical, they're spiritual. And so when we think about hearing God through his spirit, most often through scripture as we read scripture and often through uh, um, history, when God has spoken to people through his spirit, it is not always and often it's not audible. It's a spiritual because God is spirit. Now, from time to time, God spoke audibly through his spirit to people where they physically audibly heard his voice. But as we think about how would I learn to hear God's voice and and hear him speak through his spirit to me, um, most of the time it won't be audible, uh, which is going to be a challenge for us, isn't it? Because we live in a very loud and noisy world. And so hearing God's spirit, which isn't always audible and often is quite quiet, will become a challenge for us. In fact, to get this picture of how God often speaks, uh, there's a story in the Old Testament, a story you know well, and I'll just reference it very quickly. Uh, in 1 Kings chapter 18, 19, it's a story of Elijah and his showdown with the 450 prophets of Baal. You probably know the story if you don't. Uh, Elijah was uh, what he thought the only remaining prophet of God in Israel. The whole nation had followed the king and the queen, which is Ahab and Jezebel, and their worship of a false god named Baal. And so Elijah kind of has this showdown and he says to the 450 prophets of Baal, let's decide and see today who is the one true God. We'll build an altar, you pray to your God, Baal, and I'll pray to the one true God, the God of Israel. And whichever God responds by showing up with fire and burning the altar will, and the elements on it will be the one true God. And the 450 prophets of Baal are like, sure. So they build an altar and the 450 prophets of Baal pray to their God Baal and you can expect, and many of you already know what happened, um, nothing because he's a false God. He's a figment of their imagination. Nothing happened. And so then Elijah prays to the one true God and God shows up in, in an amazing, massive way. Fire comes down from heaven and it burns the entire altar. It's this masterful display of power. Did God speak in a way he spoke? It wasn't with words, but he showed up with power. But what's interesting is what happens next in the story. After God shows up with this great power, Jezebel, who was Baal's greatest fan, the queen, sends a message to to Elijah and says, by this time tomorrow, you're gonna be a dead man. And Elijah has just seen the power of God. So he does what most of us think he would do after just seeing the power of God. The Bible says he runs for his life. One, guy, one, one person, right? One woman says, you're dead by tomorrow. He just seen God show up. He's like, I'm running for my life. And you can read that in 1 Kings 19, verse three. He ran for his life. He runs an entire day and God says, what's going on? And he says, I'm running. I'm the only prophet left. And so God says, go to, the, to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. It's a 40 day journey through the desert. So he takes this 40 day journey through the desert, shows that at Mount Horeb. And then this happens. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord 
is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, and the Lord was not in the fire. In all the ways that we often want God to show up, in the powerful, in the obvious, God doesn't show up that way this time. Sometimes he does. But to Elijah, he doesn't. But rather... After the fire came a gentle whisper. The ESV, depending on what version you have, says a low whisper. The old King James, some of you maybe grew up with that version, says a still, small voice. It's like the wind that's barely moving and you try to hear it. You have to lean in and strain to hear it. It's a small, still voice, a gentle whisper. And often it appears throughout history that when God has spoken by his spirit to individuals, it's often in this still, small voice. It's an inclination in our spirit, a nudge, a whisper of God that we sense But here's the challenge as it relates to hearing God. If God speaks in a quiet whisper, in a gentle whisper, in a still small voice, there is a world of noise around us that can easily drown out the voice of God for you. It's interesting, C.S. Lewis, um, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, great writer, Mere Christianity, uh, wrote this interesting little book called The Screwtape Letters. And it's this uh, kind of fictional story of a senior demon speaking to a junior demon about how to keep an individual or keep individuals from God, keep them from following God. And at one point, the senior demon says this, noise, noise, we will make the whole universe a noise in the end. Because if we can make the universe a noise, the voice of God will be drowned out. Noise, noise. We live in a noisy culture. And there's the noise of of stuff and things, but one of the ways that we experience noise is with busyness. The noise of busyness, with the busyness of, of life, with the busyness of expectations, and sometimes those are external expectations, and sometimes those are internal expectations. And if you're like me, uh, even if the noise of the world were to, uh, to, to quiet, there's the noise of my own self. And it's hard to be quiet and hear the still small voice of our Father. Corey Ten Boom once said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. He'll make you busy. He'll keep you distracted from the presence of God in your life. Dallas Willard said, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Um, There's a book John Mark Comer wrote kind of after this uh, quote the ruthless elimination of hurry. If you want to look at more of this topic, uh, I encourage you to read that book. It's challenging and uh, encouraging as well. We live in a busy, in a loud world. 
And how do we quiet ourselves? What are some of the things that are keeping us busy and creating noise in our life? There's a lot of things we could talk about. We've already talked about some. But I think technology is helping the busyness and the noise of our world. Um, Here's a few kind of interesting statistics. Um, A recent study showed that the average iPhone user touches their phone some 2,617 times a day. And some of you Android users are feeling really good about yourself right now. Like, uh, at least it's not me. I doubt you're any different if you're an Android user. You know, we, we're, just, we're just always connected, always busy, always, what's the next thing, right? What's the next thing? The average uh, person spends 800 plus hours on social media a year. There's 365 days in a year. That's more than two hours a day on social media. That's some of the 2,600 times you're touching your phone probably. Um, The average Canadian, according to another study, 18 years and older, spends 1,200 plus hours watching TV a year. Um, It turns out, uh, from this study anyways, it it looked like uh, the older you got, especially retirement age, the number of hours went up. Um, But what's interesting, you add up our screen time between 1,200 hours of TV and social media of of, uh, 800 hours, that's 2,000 hours. According to Charles Chu, uh, he figured if you're an average speed uh, reader, uh, you could read about 200 books in 417 hours. So if you do the math, if we put our screen time away and just read, we could read over 800 books a year. I'll tell you this, I don't read 200 books a year. I do spend some time on my screens. It's not necessarily wrong. I'm not saying this to guilt anyone. Um, But I bring this up because if you're like me, Sometimes in the craziness of life, I get this sense and this thought, God, I don't know if I have 10 minutes today to slow down and kind of listen to your voice or give my attention to you. God, I got this thing going. I just got to run. And, and I bring this up because possibly I have more time in my schedule. Possibly we have more time in our schedule than maybe we realize. And again, this is not to bring any guilt It's simply an observation. Maybe we have more time than we first thought. You know, so easily the noise of life can easily drown out that still small voice of our Heavenly Father. And guess what? Our Heavenly Father created us to be in relationship with Him, and He invites us to listen to His voice. Not to be guilted in, like, oh, I've got to do this again to have a relationship, an ongoing relationship with our Father in heaven, to walk by his spirit in step with his spirit. So how would we do this? How would we bring the noise of life down, possibly to hear his voice a little more clearly? Well, I wanna look at the example of Jesus. Now, I wanna tell you right now, the story we're gonna look at is a story of what Jesus did. It's not a command for every Christian. So you could say, hey, that's, Uh, descriptive of what Jesus did, not prescriptive of what every Christian could do. You're right, but here's what I wanna say. Jesus is the new and better Adam. He shows us what humanity was meant to look like as we relate to our Father in communion with him. And so although this is what Jesus did, not necessarily a command we must do, it may be helpful for us to take on what he did if we're gonna live into the humanity that he's called us to, the new creation, who we are in Christ. And so this is uh, something I invite you to ponder and consider as we look at what Jesus did. The other thing I wanna mention as we dive in, it seems like as you look at historical Christianity over the last 2,000 years, most everyone 
who took their spiritual life seriously incorporated the spiritual discipline at some point in some level, although it looks different for each person, okay? So it's something to wrestle with as we think about how do I listen and walk and step with God's spirit and hear his voice? Okay, so turn your Bibles to Mark chapter one, starting in verse 35. How do we turn the noise of life down sometimes and, and, and hear that still small voice as, as the psalmist wrote in Psalm 46, when the world was going crazy and everything's falling apart, in verse 10 he says, be still and know that I am God. How do we still our own hearts and turn the noise of our own lives down, possibly to hear God in new and clear ways? Starting verse 35, Mark writes this for us. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Very early in the morning. Now, it's interesting. Mark mentions Jesus praying a few times, I think three times. Every time Mark mentions Jesus praying, it's in late evening, which is kind of like middle of the night. It's in the middle of the night, or it's very early, which is close to the middle of the night. I don't know what it is with Jesus and like middle of the night, but it seemed like this was the only, maybe the only time he could get away from the noise and the busyness. But for Jesus, it was very early in the morning where he got away and said, I need to spend some time with my father in heaven. Now, why would Jesus try to get away so early in the morning? Well, it turns out his life was quite busy, at least the expectations of others on him. You thought your life was busy. Let me put this in perspective with Jesus. Jesus was the Messiah. You haven't had to struggle with that one yet. Um, he was a miracle working man. Everybody wanted his attention. He was uh, preaching the gospel, the good news of God. Uh, he chose 12 men to build a movement that would last more than 2,000 years, and he only had three years to do all this. If there was pressure from the outside world and internal pressure on himself to say, I gotta keep going, there's so much to do. And the noise of the outside and the noise, of, if anyone struggled with that, Jesus must have wrestled with this. In fact, we see the noise and the expectations in the three verses before this. Go two or three verses earlier, starting in verse 32. We find that that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. They all wanted a piece of Jesus. And guess what Jesus did? He healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. And so this was the context. This is the situation. Everybody wants a piece of Jesus. And the very next morning, guess what he does? Very early. He doesn't say, oh, I'm so, I'm so tired. God, I think I just got to sleep this one in. Right? I just need a little bit of, just need a little bit of rest. And he would have been tired. Because we're told in a story in Luke chapter, I believe it's eight, where Jesus was walking in a crowd and a woman came up, snuck up behind him and touched him and he healed her without knowing it. He said, somebody touch me because power has gone from me. In his humanity, Jesus' ministry made him tired. He experienced exhaustion. It was work. And yet even in this, he realized there's something greater than my physical tiredness. And that's my spiritual connection to the Lord. My father, he would say. So very early, he went out and connected with his father. So if we're gonna follow Jesus' as example, 
I think it might start with this. Make time and space to hear God's still, small voice. With all the things coming against you, and you have a lot, and each one of us, it might look different. What would it look like to make time in your calendar, to make some space in your schedule in the hours of the day? Say, God, I want to hear your voice. I want to slow down to hear your still, small voice. For Jesus, this was early in the morning. Maybe for you, early in the morning is like the worst time. You're like a night owl and like morning's just not good. I don't think the time of day is the most important thing. Maybe for you, afternoon works best. Maybe for you, it's evening that works best. But I want to encourage you, find a time when you have energy to give. Because it's, it takes energy to pay attention to God. Paying attention always takes energy. That's why it's called paying attention. It's going to cost you something, right? Paying attention. So find a time when you're not exhausted. You're like, I just got nothing left. Say, God, I want to I hear your voice. The other thing we see, not only was it very early in the morning, not only did he find some space and make some space and time in his calendar, while it was still dark, we also see that Jesus got up and he left the house. He physically went somewhere else and he went off to a solitary place. Now, I know no, we're not Greek scholars, but it's interesting. This word in Greek, solitary place, is an interesting word. It's the word eremos. Eremos. And it shows up a few times. It's, it can be uh, defined as the solitary place, the desolate place, a lonely place, or the wilderness. And Jesus went out to this lonely, desolate, and when you read the Gospels, the, the, it will be translated in different ways. Sometimes Luke will say he went to the lonely place. Uh, Mark will say he went to the wilderness or the desolate place. But he does this, and it, it turns out Jesus went here quite often. Luke says this, he said, news about Jesus was spreading all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. The pressure was mounting. Then Luke says this, he kind of puts this little, this little insert and says, but Jesus often withdrew to the lonely places, to the eremos. This was his, his way, to get away from the crowd, get away from the noise. Jesus often withdrew to the eremos. Why? To pray, to connect, to commune with his Father in heaven. The other interesting thing about this word eremos, it shows up another time at a, in a story that's quite confounding. Um, right after Jesus in Matthew chapter 3, right after Jesus is baptized, you might remember this story, and God showed up, and it sounds like it's an audible voice this time. God spoke with an audible voice and said to Jesus, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. This epic moment, God shows up. This, you know, everyone knows this is Jesus. This is God just spoke to Jesus. The very next verse in Matthew says this. It's so interesting and confounding. Then Jesus, after this massive moment, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And we think, why... Would God's spirit lead Jesus into the wilderness so that he can be tempted by the devil? At first look, it seems like God's spirit led Jesus into his place of weakness, right? I mean, the wilderness is a place where you don't have support from others. We know from the story, Jesus also fasted for 40 days, so he's physically weak. And after being in this lonely, physically weak state, he's tempted by the devil. Why, why would the, the spirit lead him there? But guess where the Spirit led him? Eremos. And possibly, 
The Eremos was not Jesus' place of weakness. It was his place of strength. Because the Eremos was the place he went whenever the, the temptations of the crowd came against him and the noise that could drown out the voice of the Father came against him. Guess where he went? His place of strength. The place where he could commune and he would commune with God. And when he fasted, guess what fasting is? It's not eating. So physically he's getting weaker, but it's not eating for the purpose of putting your attention and time into listening and praying with your Father in heaven. So maybe, possibly, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the Eremos, to his place of strength, because the Spirit knew the tempter would come. And so he led him there, so that in his place of spiritual strength, he could withstand temptation. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus made space in his calendar and time, but he also went to a place the Eremos, where he communed with Father, with his Father in heaven. Make time and space to hear God's still small voice. But secondly, you may need to find a physical place to hear God's still small voice. I'll tell you for me right now, my office at Mount Olive Church is not my Eremos. Because the moment I sit in that chair, guess what floods me? All the work I need to do. I got this list and I got to you know, call this person and this leadership thing and, and I got a message to prepare. And the moment I get in that physical space, something happens to my heart and something happens to my mind and I go into go mode. If I want to slow down, the physical space of Mount Olive Church is not my Edemos. The other place that's not my Edemos is my house at 8 a.m. in the morning. I have four children. There is no peace or quiet at 8 a.m. in the morning. If I'm trying to kind of have that, that space where I can connect with God and listen to him and hear his still small voice, it's not a great Eremos. So I wanna ask you, where's your Eremos? Do you have an Eremos? A place where you can go where this pace and speed of life, the noise of the world, and maybe the place where the noise of your inner self has a chance to quiet down can hear the still small voice of your father. So what's the outcome? Well, for Jesus, because we're looking at the example of Jesus, here was the outcome of what he did. Remember, he's just had this pressure to go uh, be with the people. He's been healing. He's taken some time away. Here's what happens next in the Mark passage. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. Why is everyone looking? Because you're the miracle guy. We all want a piece of you. And look at what Jesus says next. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Coming out of the Eremos, he was crystal clear as to who he was and what God was asking him to do. And if you read earlier in the first chapter of, of Mark, G Jesus went into the uh, Eremos to be tempted by the devil. When he comes out, three significant things happen. The first thing is Jesus begins to preach the good news of the kingdom. It was core to his, his ministry on earth. The second thing he does is he, uh, he picks his 12 disciples, core to his ministry on earth. And the third thing he does, he starts healing people and doing miracles. Those make up the three core things of what he did in the three years of his ministry leading up to the cross. He came out of the Eremos 
knowing who he was and the direction that God was calling him to go. And so he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogue and driving out demons. Yeah, but this person wants you over here. No, no, no. This is why I have come. I know what I'm called to do. And as we learn to listen to God's spirit and walk in step with the spirit and hear his voice, I think scripture shows that God will also speak to us in three significant ways. He will give us assurance, he will grow us in our spiritual faith, and he will give us direction. Let's look at three, and here's some passages for them. Romans chapter eight says this, the spirit, God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, capital S spirit, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit, small s spirit, our individual spirit, that we are God's children. When we struggle with assurance, am I God's child? Does God love me? I don't know if I'm in the family of God. It is God's spirit who testifies with our spirit to give us assurance. And if you're struggling with assurance, you may need to find an eremos and hear God's voice speaking to you, saying, daughter, son, you're my much loved child. God gives us assurance by his spirit. Here's the interesting thing. When we are not children of God, when we have not placed our faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of sin, it turns out God's spirit is also the one who tells us we, are not in, we do not have assurance of faith because we can only come to the Father through Jesus by the Father drawing us to him. John, Jesus says in John, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up on the last day. And in John chapter, I believe it's 16, we read that the Spirit is the one who convicts the world of sin and in regards to righteousness, which is who Jesus is. And so just as the Spirit testifies with our spirit when we are children, giving us assurance, if you are not a follower of Jesus, God's Spirit will also speak to you, but it's a drawing saying something's not right between you and God in heaven and you need to receive Jesus as your savior. This is how God spoke to me before I was a believer. It was a conviction. I had this sense in my spirit, I am not right before God. And if you have ever experienced that, if right now you know if you died, you would not have peace with God in heaven, that is God's spirit speaking to you. And your willingness to listen to his voice and heed his voice has eternal implications. God's speaking to you. Would you receive his message and put your faith and Jesus. God's Spirit speaks assurance to us. He also speaks uh, to us to grow us. We read in John 16, but when he, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus says, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, which is what Jesus tells him, and he will tell you what is yet to come. We are grown in our spiritual life as we hear God's Spirit who guides us, speaks to us the truth of who Jesus is. And then we also receive direction. There's a story of Peter and Acts. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter was up on the roof to pray. Turns out you can pray at noon as well. So that's why I said time of day maybe isn't most important. Well, with, while Peter was still thinking about the vision God had just given him, the Spirit, God's Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. 
Was this an audible voice that Peter heard? We're not told. Could have been. But God spoke and he was willing to hear God's voice and God gave him direction. When God's spirit speaks, he will assure us we are his children if we have put our faith in Jesus. If we have not, he will assure us we don't have assurance and that we need to get right with God by putting our faith in Jesus. He will speak to us, growing us and giving us direction. So I wanna invite you what would it look like for you to make some, some time in your schedule, to create some space in your day, in your week, to hear God's still small voice? And maybe find a place, an eremos, that would be a place where you can slow down and quiet the noise around you. And as you find that place, I want to invite you to speak these words to your Father in heaven. It's the words that Eli the priest asked Samuel to speak, and we read this earlier. When Eli, or Samuel heard the voice of God and didn't know who it was, Eli said, say this, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak, Lord. I've quieted my, I'm slowing, I want to slow it, I want to hear your voice. Father, would you speak to me? Would you speak to me? I, your servant, am listening. And here's a few areas you may want to get specific in. Father, would you speak to me about my relationship with you? Maybe I'm struggling with some assurance. God, would you speak to me about my relationship with you? Maybe there's an area of confession. Father, would you speak to me about my relationship with you? God, would you speak to me about my relationship with others? That's a scary prayer to pray. Maybe you don't want to hear what God wants to tell you about your relationship with your wife and your role in reconciliation or that person that God's inviting you to invest in. God, what would you have for me regarding my relationship with others? And God, this week, I have a whole lot of plans, but I want to hear your voice. I want you to give me direction. If there's something that you have for me, God, I'm listening. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Three important ways to say, God, I, I want to submit to you. So what would it look like for you to make some time and space to find a place and then say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Well, today as we close in prayer, we're going to just practice what I preached we're gonna close by listening prayer today. And so uh, I wanna invite you to close your eyes and fold your hands. And kids often ask me, why do we do that? I don't have a reason from the Bible. Um, but the best I've come up with is we don't wanna be distracted. So we close our eyes to kind of tune out the noise, visual noise around us, fold our hands to keep from fidgeting. Simply quiet our, our hearts and slow down the pace of our lives to say, God, would you speak to us? And then we'll just have some moment of silence uh, right now. And I just invite you, God, maybe there's a specific area you, you want to say, God, there's a direction thing. God, I, I want to listen. Uh, there's a relationship. And God, my relationship with you. Speak. I, I want to hear your voice. And how might he impress on your spirit what he wants you to hear? And then next week, we're going to talk a little bit about how do we know if that was actually God's spirit, <laughs> which is important. But today, let's just spend some time listening to God, and then the worship team will close after a bit. So we'll take about a minute of silence. Father, as we come before you, we're a group of servants. We just say, speak, Lord. We're listening. Thanks so much for joining us today. We trust you have been encouraged and challenged in your faith journey. If you're desiring prayer, want more information on our church, want to partner with us or be involved in any way, please go to our website at mountoliveefc.com. We'll see you next time.